all the stars have to align just the right way for Yang. But to be honest, they've aligned exactly the right way thus far. I mean, the idea that he's pulling four, five, six percent in some polls, you know, like is is astounding. And I I think that the cash yeah, the did cash, work. The <laughs> fucking cash did like I mean it was the most American millennial thing I've ever seen. In I my know, life. right? <laughs> You're gonna say, oh wow, Darwin's trolling me. Because you do not believe in the idea of GDP and aggregate demand. Yes, you are a hundred percent wrong here. I know you don't like I'm it. Telling you, I'm telling you to start thinking about reality and not what you want to be true. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Lofty Darwinism. We are back. It is Saturday morning after the Thursday night debate. Um, 14th. We will just. The 14th, yes, to be specific. Um, it was Friday the 13th yesterday, full moon, Friday the 13th, apparently. I didn't notice anything mm -hmm. different. And I was, you know, but... Uh, so, as for the debate, Darwin, what were... I mean, I know some of your first thoughts, but I feel like you need to expose the audience to your first thoughts about the debate. <laughs> well, I guess your third process first thoughts. Honestly, my first thoughts are not the same as my second thoughts, are not the same as my third thoughts, are not the same as my fourth thoughts, you know, I... Let's let's start with so where are we let's now? start with Warren. Just where are let's we start now? with Warren. Like I, I, I cannot decide how I feel about her candidacy, both in terms of how I feel about her in terms of like, you know, what I personally feel about the possibility of her candidacy, but also whether or not she's going to win, you know, because I've gone so far back and forth on that. And I'm kind of in more of a bearish state of mind at the moment, but I can't quite pinpoint why matt how you're you've been on the warren train since day one right you what how are you feeling about her i just think at worst she's everybody's second choice and i don't see how biden keeps going like he just makes so many mistakes that like i can't see how how it sustains and i don't think warren is going to mess up you know what I'm saying? Again, like I think she's the one who's going to keep getting kind of consistent and stronger and forming the same narrative in everyone's mind. She's not dependent on each on each debate really to float her campaign. Um, and I just I see that as being I mean, I, I obviously don't know. There could be another a bunch of ways it zigs and zags. But. What keeps coming back to me, and it hasn't really changed even as I analyze it now, is I think even as things are going to go up and down, Warren's going to feel the steadiest. And over time, that's just going to rise and win. And, and especially if she wins Iowa. If she wins Iowa, she goes into New Hampshire, maybe that's a little bit of a fight. Maybe, maybe Bernie wins New Hampshire. Then where's Biden supposed to be? Like, Biden cannot sustain a loss. I think if any of them can sustain a loss, it's Biden, but he may not be able to sustain a loss. I, I don't think he can because all he has is being the front runner. Like, he doesn't really have a message. Well, I would disagree with you on that. Okay. I, I do think he has a message, and I feel like he started to tease some of it out in this debate. I mean, he is saying, I'm the, I'm the guy who can actually you know get something done, and I'm not going to completely blow apart the entire system. I'm just going to try and fight to make your life better. I'm going to focus on just saying not Trump, not saying no to capitalism itself, which is something that Bernie Sanders is saying in, in a lot of ways, not fully, but in a lot of ways. I mean, he's running as a democratic socialist. And Elizabeth Warren is, I think, hugging the aspects of Bernie Sanders' campaign much more than she's at hugging the aspects of 
Joe Biden's campaign, right? She wants to be revolutionary. That's because Joe Biden's camp. You're you're right. I, I don't think she wants to be revolutionary. I think she's had a deep critique. She's a deep capitalist, but she's had a deep critique of the problems of, of sustaining capitalism and wanting to sustain capitalism for the last 10 years. And then, again, I haven't know if we said this on the podcast yet, but the other reason I think Warren is going to win the nomination, end up being more palatable, is some for some freaking weird reason, Tucker Carlson has been adopting Elizabeth Warren's economic policies mm-hmm. on his show and pushing yeah. those, which means that it's not going to seem like socialism by the end of this. It's just as long as she consistently becomes reasonable and seems because I don't I think there is a lot of mystifying that can happen right now around all of these people when there's this many candidates. Right. And even through the mist that's around all this campaign, I still think she's very clear. And I don't think that gets less clear as the dust settles and the mist in the mist clears. And that's where I think she wins. And I oddly think that. She's set up to get more of the Republican votes than, especially Republican women votes, than um, it realizes. But man, there is a block of, if you're over 45 and male and white, whew, Elizabeth Warren just angers you sometimes. Maybe not quite as much as Hillary Clinton. And the other part is, there's not 20 years of conspiracy theories about how she killed people. <laughs> like, there's never a Clinton presidency, you know, like all of that baggage around her, like, you know, it's you could say it wasn't sexism when it was Hillary Clinton because she was uniquely Hillary Clinton, right? If the same stuff starts coming out about Elizabeth Warren, it's gonna be real hard to be like, no, that's not sexism. She just sucks. She doesn't suck that much. It's gonna be really hard to to, to be that negative on her the way it, way she was they were on Hillary Clinton. I think that the the thing that, that is going to be challenging for both Bernie pretty much for anyone other than Biden and Yang is how do you propose a radical agenda while also describing pride in the American system? And I think that's what Obama did so successfully. He advocated for big change while also saying this is clearly American. I'm proud to be American. This is what America is all about. I think it's going to be Harder for someone like Elizabeth Warren, whose critiques run deeper, or at least on the surface, her critiques run deeper. But she is a really good communicator. I agree with that. She is a good politician. So is Bernie. But so is Biden. And I I think that that's the thing that is missing in all this. Biden is obviously old, but his platform and his message are shared more, are resonating more than you're giving them credit for. I, I'm not sure they're resonating anymore, and I keep seeing the mistakes. He starts off pretty strong. He has some moments, and then the one time he pushes back on the timekeepers, he goes into crazy left field, record player, Venezuela, <laughs> black people can't teach their kids country. Like, that's the sort of shit that, like, I, Julian Castro took some cheap shots and was confused and was kind of gaslighting that basic true argument of he's too old, but, like, it's... And I don't think he did himself any service, but I just think at the end of the day, Biden is like, so I think in order for us to have the candidate we really want, we're going to have to actually have someone who beats Biden because like the same way, it's sort of like how Obama had to beat Hillary Clinton. I think Biden's about where Hillary was, you know, when he was facing Obama. Now, maybe they're a little closer um, to, to Biden than they were to Hillary, but Frontrunners don't always win, man. Frontrunners lose a lot. Sure, but 
and I mean, I think it's like Nate Silver says. It's Biden is clearly in a class of his own in terms of just the polling, but you would bet you would bet the field against him right now. Like it's it's more likely than not that it's someone other than him. But if you were to put money on one person, it would be best to put it on Biden. That's that, I mean from a statistical analysis. So, but that's neither here nor there because neither of us are pollsters. Um, but I'm actually I put actually am though putting money on what is my think the best bet, which is no Biden <laughs> because I actually think. By the way, uh, in terms I, of I, money, yeah. I got some pushback from you guys when I said I would put put money on Booker. I watched the T- yeah. CNN focus group. After that, every yeah. one of them except for like one person said Warren and Booker impressed them the most from that debate. No, I mean, look, Booker is a Booker one cent fine. Right I don't expect him to win, but he's the one. I, I, if anybody other than Yang has some sort of a breakout moment at this point, I, I think Booker is the strongest money. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think Beto made a decent shot of, of yeah. like it's it's still that that hell yeah we're coming for your guns line still shocks mm-hmm. me. I'm I'm still I'm not even sure I'm for it. I don't. I'm not sure I agree with that particular policy. It, but as a Texan who has usually agreed with him and watched him stake out positions, it has it like it hit me to my core in a way that I'm still processing. And I think that if it hit me that way, it hit other people even who are more pro gun control even more clearly. And like I think that's how Beto has a shot. But I also thought to myself, did he just lose Texas um, with that? But then again, I think there might be a – I think some of how people are going to win is the same way you – like the right tries to make the left look crazier and crazier and you'll say they're doing it to themselves and whatever, right? And <laughs> and that perception comes up. The same thing needs to happen to the gun, the gun protection culture, right? They look crazier and crazier against the backdrop of these shootings, right? Against the backdrop of what's happening. You have to do it on both sides. So you have to, like, you can't, because they are. Like, it's just more and more entrenched with less and less ability to solve the problem. I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm glad that Beto found some balls and actually stuck out, like, staked out an actual position on something rather than trying to hem-haw and please everybody all at once. Um, I mean, I agree. I think it's a little bit questionable, but I also don't, don't think it's so crazy to talk about the AR-15s. I mean, there's there's a lot of nuance. I think there's, I mean, I think there's a ton of good arguments to, just to, to, to be against that perspective, but I, I'm not like so quivering in my seat about the constitutional issues that it raises to say, hey, maybe let's get a gun buyback for like these. Well, how about a definite registration for that level of gun for sure like those guns should be mildly harder to obtain and you should like know you have them. if you have a military style weapon my guess is even if you didn't have to register every single firearm you probably ought to have to register that yeah, one sure yeah i think i'm i think you i'm know, okay like, with but that like, we talk about registering they're like they're coming for our guns the nazis are coming for our guns and it's just like dude like I don't know. No, I don't think anyone in their right minds thinks a forcible gun confiscation in this country is a good decision. Like it's going to have problems. But on top of that, the delusion of gun owners to believe they have enough might in their guns to stop the government is also hilarious to me. Like 
you don't have enough single firepower mm-hmm. to stop the government with your guns, no matter how much you threaten them. Like, we're ready, yada, yada, yada. Fuck you, dude. That's a threat back to the government. It's a threat to those officers. This is nonsense. You don't have the right to shoot someone because we pass different laws. That's a problem. Well, uh, and we know? also have a clear um, mental health problem. Clear and, what? And, and, and to say that, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even yeah, yeah. want to describe it completely as mental health problem, but I think the degree to which we're all feeling isolated and radicalized online is making the reality of these guns take on a different context, you know, like just the idea that in an age where people are literally live streaming their mass shooting events to make it look like it's a video game, like the guy in New Zealand did, it's it's at least worth saying, you know, it's it's dicey from a freedom perspective to give up all guns, but maybe we maybe we put some checks in there. Like, I think that's. That's not that insane to me, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have, I have no desire to have a gunless society. I have, I think in fact, it's better to have some people who are armed and trained and like, it, I'm okay with that. I think, I think again, having an actual gun culture that is about responsibility would actually help us be better with other rights that have major responsibilities to them, like freedom of speech and oh, all yeah, that. Oh, yeah, like the Fourth Amendment, the way, for sure, you know, like which has right. been just trampled the, on for the- <laughs> but the But the way we're trying to protect the Second Amendment is this just nonsense situation. It's like the whole, the whole idea of a well-regulated militia. Like, you know what? Maybe if you have a gun, you're registering it because you might be needed for public service at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, but, like, that's part of it, too. Like, part of the reason the NRA even existed in the first place was to create, like, marksmen. Because we were like, oh, shit, if we have another war, we don't know anyone can shoot. What, what I do think is important is that, for, for the most part, guns are only one leg of whatever conversation we need to have right now about the outbreak in these mass killings because recently there was a mass knife attack I think somewhere in the south uh, just like a day or two ago Uh, obviously they don't have the same power of destruction but the idea that you have these individuals who are trying to go out and make a name for themselves is something that will it, it will be very difficult to stop that you know, I, it will be very difficult to just to just regulate that away. We have to kind of get at the underlying tensions in this our, our society. And I, I wanted to circle back real fast because we've kind of gone down on uh, the, the the guns debate, but I kind of want to get back to the debates real fast because I did want to say something that did irk me a little bit because you know I like Biden and I'm kind of rooting for him, and you know that I haven't really been extremely uh, favorable towards Julian Castro in the past. But I, I think he got a little shafted by the reaction to that statement of like, did you just forget what you said two minutes ago? Like, that's not ageist. That's not that. I mean, it's something that you say in a debate. It's some like you say, oh, did you just forget? Like, like you're trying to call people out on hypocrisy. No, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's just like you're not because he. OK, so he did this three times, essentially. And two out of the three times he was spot on. It's just that that time and I was literally texting with Darren, my buddy, at the same time. And I go, is he right or am I being gaslit? Because the way he went at him was confused and I was even confused because I thought he said buy in too but you know what I'm saying like 
it wasn't as clean a shot. No, it was as a really messy shot over something that was a meaningless distinction in the end. It was a right, and so and so like that's what we're getting. It's like if you're okay, like no one is mad when you take the shot at Biden, but you have to hit him fucking clean because otherwise we don't get because like again. Biden has to go down for the party to unify around the next person, in my opinion. B- Biden, in my opinion, is running to endorse. He's, he draws attention to the race. He, he draws in an event. He's going to be the front runner that propels the next person through and forward, in my opinion. Um, but if you're going to shoot at him, you have to shoot cleanly. You can't give the dude sympathy. It can't be divisive. You know, um, it was, I mean, it has to just be true. I came to first class reels. I was trying to find someone to do my reel for me. The reason I wanted to get my reel done was because every like agent I'd run into or manager would be like, so can I see some of your work? And I'd be like, I don't have a reel. When we were done and I sent it out to people I've been networking with and I got an agent out of it. And right now I'm talking to a manager after they've seen my reel. So it really was bang for my buck. Like I got exactly what I wanted. So first class reels, do it. You will not regret it, trust me. Is it so crazy to imagine that a candidate like Biden could be running on a real message of unity? To me, that's a that's a, that's a reason for running. It's a reason to be in the race. And I think that's – I don't have another candidate other than him and Yang. So if he ends up being so old that he can't run, um, which was the kind of like the Jonathan Chait article that I shared, it, it oddly had a different headline – when I read it, then when I posted it, it was like, Democrat race is a shit show. But the headline that I saw that I liked was, what if the only Democrat who's not running for president of Twitter is too old? And that, I think, is the quandary that I find myself in with Biden. Yes, he's pretty old, but I think his general outlook is a set of values that that I and a lot of other people share quite distinct from what Warren and Bernie are running, running on. I'm actually not sure it's that different. I think that it's about approach to some degree. I think that the presidencies wouldn't even be that different other than, I mean, the, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, I think I need an example. Biden, Biden, yeah, give me an so, example. I actually think Biden got the best of Warren in the healthcare exchange. Uh, and, and I think that it's kind of like a meaningless debate, I think, in, in some context, other than to say virtually every Democrat on that stage except for uh, Bernie and Warren are saying let's just make a public option. That's, that's like they all have a, a slightly different version of it, but it's that versus let's get everybody into a single-payer system because that will be more efficient. But I think Biden made some good actual mathematical points about why medical care for all isn't going to be this grand utopia that they're making it out to be. And I think it's a legitimate point. I, it, obviously, Medicare for all won't be a utopia. Look, I, I see exactly what you're saying. And as I thought about that, but the real, but here's what's happening. Warren hasn't actually come out with her own health care plan. She's essentially adopted Bernie's. I think Warren's playing the very classic Tack left to win the primaries, cover up. Bernie has a hard cap at like 25%. I don't think he can possibly get above that, so I don't think he can win. Keep the Bernie people close. Then when you can take Biden out, you take Biden out. And then in the, and then in the general election, you do the classic move back to the middle. And like, I think that's Warren's is doing right now. And I think she needs to keep the left close enough to her to be happy, when she, to be okay, and trust her when she moves back to the middle. I mean, 
Every other every other primary we've ever talked about, Republican or Democrat, it's you go to your base and you come back to the middle. And everyone actually that's not what's gonna happen here. You know? I I she's a talented politician, and if that's what she's doing, then then good for her. I, I just I don't know that I trust that. I just don't like I don't see how she tacks back to the middle after this. Pretty I think very easily. I don't think I think there's a lot more issues to tack back to the middle on and the middle will look different when it's one on one with Donald Trump. Right. Like when you're debating all the other Democrats, the talking points are going to be over here. You sh and, and by the way, if you're doing this right in a way that doesn't seem like the freaking move that I'm telling you is happening, that every other strategist again before now would say this is what we're going to do. Right. It, like the fact that you're not sure you can see the pivot back is I think means she's doing it her best. I think that's actually how like that means she's like the best politician because once you can fake being genuine you've got it made because i think she genuinely does think we need to move this direction so there's no lying to herself about this but i think she's also like this is i mean i will absolutely be wrong but i put my money where this bet is so maybe i'm just rationalizing but i really see that like just the way you would have had trump as the favorite if you just put a you know poll out there that said name id and we all ignored it I don't think this is any different than a previous primary. We're just so freaking in our heads about it that we're like, oh, the obvious strategy of go left, come back to the center is what's happening. Let me ask you this. Okay. Let's, let's game this out for a second. Let's, let's – okay. So because it's clear to you, right, that Biden's support is mostly among uh, African-Americans uh, and old, older people, right? Like that's, that's where he gets – like he gets broad support from African-Americans, especially older African-Americans. Like – which is why he's winning by 25 points in South South Carolina. So it's not hard to imagine a scenario in which Warren takes Iowa, Bernie takes New Hampshire, who just came out in, in the lead in one poll. So that, like they're bunched up in Iowa and New Hampshire, and then Biden wins South Carolina. And in that scenario, I would put my money on Biden going all the way. And here's the here's the question I have: If neither Bernie nor Warren can fully like take out Biden, does Yang become a factor in that scenario? Okay, so I cannot grant you that he will end up in South Carolina for this prior reason. And let me just give you the prior data point. At this point in the race, Hillary Clinton was way ahead with African-American voters in South Carolina and in the race generally against Barack Obama. Right, but Barack Obama was I the think, first black man to ever be elected I, president. Right, and I'm saying that like, and I'm saying that even at that point, like, Hillary Clinton, who was the establishment candidate who seemed like the most electable person, had the – because African-American – a lot of the African-American vote is very practical. And is right now, is, as Joe Biden appears to be the most electable, they will be with him. There is no reason not to be with him. Because, um, like, I have friends, like, they're, they're – and I think that's okay. So I think what will happen is I don't think he can actually withstand seeming like a winner and losing those first two. But if you're right – then maybe Yang could be a factor. But I think even if you're wrong, Yang becomes a factor because those two end up clobbering the first two and he goes second, third, or second, second. Because I think he'll have some a lot more momentum. But I don't know that he ever gets above third in any particular primary. I, I, all the stars have to align just the right way for Yang. But to be honest, they've aligned exactly the right way thus far. I mean, the idea that he's pulling... Four, five, six percent in some polls, you know, like is is astounding, and I, I think that the cash, yeah, the, cash <laughs> the fucking cash game, like 
I mean, it was the most American millennial thing I've ever seen. I in know, my life. right? <laughs> but I mean, that's, that, that's what he's doing. Yang is kind of running on prosperity. That's what Trump ran on. And I think that people aren't like seeing that. When, when you see Yang, you see happy, you see America, you see money, money, money. That's, that's what he's trying to just drive home over and over and over again. And I feel like those optics are tailor-made for social media. Right, and they should be. And the thing is, it's hard for a lot of people to trust that right now because so he's making a basic economic humanism argument, which is we are the economy and therefore trusting each other is how we are going to go forward as opposed to the economies is like, so I watched the Margaritaville episode of South Park and like you get that that's basically what's happening, right? You, he, he, he sees that when we're happy and we're giving to one another and we can provide value to one another, right? The economy goes. And I believe that's actually how the economy works because the economy is just us. It's not something separate from us. It is like all the value we give each other. Um, and that is why you're hundred percent right. He's upbeat. But like, I think people like, I joke, I joke with my brother all the time. I was like, who hurt you, man? He wants to give you a thousand dollars a month. And you're like, no, who hurt you? Why can't you just take the thousand dollars? Like, and I think there's some deep psychological things about that in America where it's like, we can't accept the good thing because we're you're always worried it's going to be taken from us and like and until it like gets beaten over our head so many times it's going to be really hard to break through well on that note i think that i think the reason i think this is a good pivot right here the reason that people fear like giveaways in general is is i think it's kind of like the in the dark crystal when the Skeksis are wrapping the dark yes, crystal with chains and sucking it dry and there's all this darkness happening and you're you're throwing off the balance. I, I feel like that's such a good metaphor for like all of us how we feel about modern politics right now. Like you can't quite put your finger on it, you can't quite articulate it, but if you do something that feels false to you, it's kind of like you're strangling the crystal. Okay, well sure, I'm, that's an interesting metaphor because all I was thinking about was the psychology dynamics of the Skeksis and the Gelflings <laughs> in the first, you know what I'm saying? Like that is actually, I think, a really apt metaphor sometimes for power, right? In the first episode where they're doing the offerings to the Skeksis and he's like, we never take. He's like, that would be, and like, he essentially gets them to give it voluntarily even though he's clearly taking it from this person who doesn't have it. And like, that's the trick. None of the none of the giveaway to the top of capitalism happens because the capitalists take it at gunpoint. There's a lot of mental trickery going on in ourselves where you think you're going to be rich one day, you think they deserve it, we have been abused so we justify the next abuse victims and all of these things. And I'm not a Marxist and I'm not very postmodern, but like their hegemonic beliefs are real. The beliefs we have that aren't so that it helped the powerful and help the elite are absolutely real. Whether they're true or not, like the like white supremacy was the earliest version, but we still have all these things today. The idea that unions are the worst thing ever is like there are bad things about unions, but who does it help to freaking hate unions the way America does? It's kind of crazy. Like it's a little crazy. Even as bad as unions can be, like on a one-to-one -one level when they get insular, it it, it helps only capitalists to hate them. This well, much. this is where you know my politics is complicated, not just because I have complicated opinions, but because I have complicated emotions. And vis-a-vis -vis labor is, I think, one of the more uh, complicated 
issues for me because I do think that labor can oftentimes create a lot of problems in a society in terms of unionizing to the destruction of a of a uh, you know of an industry but I do think that we are in a state right now where we need like a really strong labor movement right and that's obviously something that comes from the left historically and now it, you you need you ne- you need leverage you need the 5 hour work week back for the for, for the gig economy you know you you need uh, you you need protections you need the just the idea of the american dream and that's something that is that i mean you know like michael moore is right like we've we've demolished the middle class it it doesn't exist anymore more or less at least for the younger people and and part of the reason that like and unions original goal was to bargain with the companies then for the companies and them to go to the government and bargain with the government for universal pensions and rights and things that could be secured on like an insurance level that wouldn't necessarily be on the backs of the companies right like how terrible is it right now for gm and ford for them to be dealing with healthcare costs that are out of control and pension costs right had the unions thought more broadly at the time we might have restructured the way pensions work in this country and not made them giant share like giant liabilities for corporations mm-hmm. right but instead because we all started to fight and we started to change the way we thought about it and honestly sort of freedmen like Keynesianism ran its course through the 70s and there needed to be like a rebuild on on the on the on the supply side to some degree and it's just this massive overcorrect to where we are now you know, well, it's a massive um, overcorrect, and, but where where is the recorrection really need to be? I mean, well, I guess it's an, I guess maybe we shouldn't think like I think it's forward. It's how do you secure individuals in the economy? Like we have to like we, yes, we're a lot of atoms, but if you secure more individuals, like if I know I have health care, um, people are going to be much happier. To people, you're going to make the decide your jobs. I think it's why both you and I are so behind Yang sometimes. It's like, man, with healthcare and a thousand dollars, I'll work my butt off for just about anything the rest of my time that I care about. And you'll get a better version of me with this, right? Because you've secured the floor. But all of us are asked to give everything when there's no floor under us. I gotta say, there is though, I I, I hate to say this, but I feel like Lance was right. On the when he said, you know, they did try this in Stockton and people were like working less. It, it, like, I, I maybe they should right, work like, less. I, I just obviously people are going to less. work less. Like, it, it's just it's, kind of how do you how do you merge that with a society that kind of offloads its productivity into automation, robotics, AI in a way that doesn't totally destroy only, our economy. But that, well, that, that's the, well, this is the only way you can kind of do it is when you're keeping a tight labor market for human capital, right? And you're keeping a consumer base, which allows money to continue to flow. It's literally the only way it can work. And yes, there will be a rebalancing of work and time and all of that will have to happen. But that was going to happen anyway, right? And so if you're automating at 9% or 10% unemployment, we're all screwed. But if you're automating at 3% unemployment and you have that floor there, then it will balance balance out okay because truthfully we get better off through specialization just like Adam Smith said the further out we can leverage in these ways and we but eventually if you like the same thing that always happens it's what Mark said we're going to produce so much one day that we're and we're going to driven down wages so far that the shelves are just going to stay stocked you know what I mean 
and the, and, and, and the cycle's gonna go on. And that's my problem. That's what really scares me. It's we are going to produce ourselves to death, and then there's going to be a down spiral. Well, there's a supply side answer in this. I don't know what it is, and I think the all other point of Adam Smith is that nobody is supposed to know what the supply side answer is. It's, it's okay. Where is the new economy oriented? Not not just like how much time does labor have, but what do people then go out and make money at? Right? You know. So could I get paid to go sift through your phone and find all your favorite pictures for you or something like that. Could you, you know, like, is there, are there new jobs, new shit that you can come up with to get people to do that you can say, you know what? All right, I'll do that, but I'll try you, charge you a hundred bucks an hour. You know, like I, I, you, it's like service industry, but it's also like social capital on a certain level has to kind of, you know, the, 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 the entire concept of capitalism, you, you, you kind of imbue things with a value that you wouldn't have otherwise imbued it with. And where is that value in the new, in the new economy, right? If, if, if bringing you food and water and medicine isn't the new economy and medicine is the new economy probably for a long time, but nevertheless, as you sort of offload these things, where where does it lead? And 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 is there a way that we could fuck it up with too much government intervention? You know, like do are we going to go in and say, you know what? Like, well, you, you get you get your basic needs taken care of. You got your money. Okay, let's go. Let's stay home and watch Dark Crystal all day and and rant and rave about the throb. <laughs> okay, okay. So here's the thing about that. I think that that actually ignores the second level of human nature that most people cannot do that for very long you know what i'm saying like that's not actually that satisfying the reason people binge and go into those holes is usually because they're trying to avoid a job or something else they hate right like those are like you're digging into a darker hole i think that it's not nearly as likely that people will just try to escape reality for as long if they have something in reality to grasp onto, because a lot of times they don't, they don't know where their next paycheck is coming from. They don't know where their check next meal might be coming from. They don't know if hug is going to come from any of those things, right? There's no certainty of humanity in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so they go deeper into these holes. Well, you're right. I, and, I think that happens, but, but, but I also think that there's a, a very plausible future in which we're mining asteroids for a lot of essential resources that only happened because we let filthy rich people like Jeff Bezos explore space. And that's something that... And I, I'm okay with that. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do both? Because I think that having a bunch of fat cats sitting around is the, is the fundamental critique of capitalism. And it's not wrong in a lot of ways, but that's kind of the trade-off is you get, you let... People like Bezos and Musk go on these crazy – like look at Tesla. Look at the way that it's leveraged. Why can't I have that and a thousand bucks? Because – Why can't Tesla do their thing and we get that? You, like you, Elon Musk endorsed him. Endorsed – Like most of this stuff – most – endorsed Yang. Most of the stuff is going to be automated out in space anyway. Using actual human capital to explore the stars is going to seem really rough for a lot of people, right? No, like you need to let these guys – do it. But you know what? Most of the time it needs to be robots to expand what is possible. I don't want to stop their future. I just don't think you can do – I mean now the greatest argument for me would be – and this is something I'm stealing from Mark Blythe, the Scottish economist, is holy god, man. If you have – if you're if you're like you're going to need to force people to work on earth to stop 
climate change and to geoengineer the earth. And so there's no reason to have a thousand dollars a month when if we did the Green New Deal or something, like we have jobs to do people, you can't sit out. So like we couldn't have a tight labor market if we needed a service deal for the country. Um, but, but that's my arg only argument I saw against is like, oh shoot, maybe we won't be able to save the planet because we're too lazy. Not I just don't know. Okay, space. look at what's happening in Alaska right now. Like they're they're trying to open up the. the you mean Todd leaving Sarah? Um, what is it? You mean Todd Palin leaving Sarah Palin? <laughs> well, that's sad sorry, too. Sorry. But um, yeah. in the yeah. southeast couple. region, there's a protected forest that Trump is trying to open up to logging and it's kind of like referred to as Alaska's Amazon, right? You know, it's a, it's a very extensive, pristine wildlife reserve. And that's kind of like, if you say no to that, you're hurting the economy of the state. If you say yes to that, you're probably doing a million environmental th things wrong that you kind of shouldn't do right now. And it, it, in, in ways that involve obviously carbon emissions, um, the the trees help support uh, the local fish that you can you know harvest sustainably. I mean, there's the conversation that you know Cory Booker got asked about, like, hey, should we be vegan in order to avoid uh, destroying the Amazon? Like, there's all of these trade-offs that capitalism historically has relied upon, just sort of like. But it's harvesting. also soybeans, by the way. It's also soybeans, not just beef, that are destroying the Amazon. Thanks to Trump's tariffs and part of why they are being – it's being slashed. So it wasn't just the beef industry causing these no, fires. No, and it's sugar, but we, – We'll but, hear way into but, problems. But it's worse with, agri with, with animal agriculture and you should know that. <laughs> I know you believe that. It's I, true. I think it's you just factual that. truth. Factual no, you truth. need – if you're going to have planes though, you need large – you need large quadrupedal hominid – like large quadrupedal animals up there to allow for carbon capture. We need to do the buffaloes back over our planes for carbon capture. They're going to need buffalo on the tundra in Russia as it melts in order to like hope that like as the permafrost melts they're going to literally need big animals to churn up the the uh the soil and recapture and like so no i don't think we can get away from it from 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 animal production but does it need to change darwin i absolutely would agree there yeah i, I, well, I and, and i, I, I think, think that right. if that's your answer then i think we're probably in agreement on that to me yeah, 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 we don't need to get into <laughs> veganism argument. Jesus Christ, that's just just no. Like, let's not. No, no. Like, uh, yeah. We're, bottom line, we're gonna have to feed people on this earth. There's always a trade-off to how we're feeding them, uh, and and I just think, regardless of what we think about it, like geoengineering is the next step. And that means understanding how it all actually works and the actual consequences of it and what you have to do. Yeah, and, and, and in regards to that, I think it's just really important for me to just advocate that as much as it's important to tackle these issues, part of the reason that trade works smoothly and frictionlessly is the profit motive. And I think that that's something that when you look at the critique of communism – why did communism happen? Did they go out to make everybody's life worse? No. They, the, if you look at Venezuela, look, okay, look, look at the Soviet Union and China. What they're trying to do is rapidly change their society, societies on industrial scale. They tried to update themselves from agrarian societies to industrial societies, and they made so many bureaucratic steps that they created. They triggered multiple famines and ended up triggering a bunch of dissent that they had to crush. Like the, like the, the fallout from trying to rapidly change a society's economy is the critique of communism and it is the critique of trying to tackle ch climate change without 
a genuine question of how it's going to fit in with capitalism. Because if you genuinely want to just destroy capitalism in order to save the climate, you may not get the result that you want. It has to happen in a way that doesn't like uh, utterly upend no, our I, system. I think, I think they're, they're the, you're right. You're one hundred percent right. But I do not think in any way they're even close to mutually exclusive. I think you easily can transform the energy economy to something more sustainable with 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 investments that offset losses. And like there are there are plenty of ways in which the actual act of having to transfer the like the money you have to spend inside the United States to to fix this right would almost be impossible to not be good for the economy now if you force people to just stop and you try to do it through draconian measures you're we're, we're never going to get there but i think you can literally use markets incentives and 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 subsidies in certain ways to to make it economically positive for the United States. But if you just want to clamp down on industries and like make it terrible and ruin the economy that way, yeah, we're going to screw ourselves. But like we have to stop thinking that that's what it is. But if you're putting people building more windmills, you know, across rural America, more sun, no, more solar stations, whatever it is, like those those are jobs. There may be more energy jobs in places like West Virginia and Kentucky, right? And we should invest there and give them new jobs. Also, nuclear and fracking, which would be the two biggest things we could do. Oh, my God, dude. Fracking already causes small earthquakes. You just brought up like, nuclear fracking. Like, are you, you're saying nuclear and fracking? Or is there a thing called nuclear fracking? Because I was like, are you telling me we're going to start, like, using fracking technology for nuclear no, energy? Because, oh, my God. Like, that just seemed like one of the worst decisions. It was like, oh, well, there goes all of our groundwater for sure. Like, what are we doing here, Darwin? Okay. Thank you, God. I was like, what sort of fresh horror is this? nuclear fracking this is a, this seems like the worst idea i mean the problem and everyone can tell me it's safe and 99.9 percent .9 of the time it's safe but man dude when nuclear is not safe it's real not safe look at what happened in russia just recently when they tried they're trying to put a nuclear they're trying to put a nuclear fusion reactor on a rocket and it like killed a bunch of people and exploded and went terribly wrong you know like Nuclear is scary. Nuclear is scary, but there isn't a realistic – like you, I, I just – people are lying to you if they say we can get off of fossil fuels quickly without nuclear power. So do the, do the trade-off. Fracking is way better than – What's quickly? What? What's quickly? Uh, what does quickly – like – because if we're talking timelines, what timelines does, does okay, that count? Let's say this. Let's say that we're not using fossil fuels in the America in America by 2050. If if you if you eliminate nuclear, and especially if, like Elizabeth Warren says, you immediately put a moratorium on fracking, uh, you don't get there. You don't get there without reducing energy use. I, I so here's the thing. I think in that same time period, you, just just look at the advances you've seen in solar in that time period, like. I think there's going there's energy in literally everything. Our conception of how to get energy and power is going to change over the next fifty years. Like yeah, eventually like these eventually plants, all of these I, I, eventually. I, I think I, I think but I think some, I, I don't even think it's going to take as long as you think because it's just so the the capitalism does drive innovation. Like the need for profit drives innovation, but the also need for survival can drive it too. I don't think that I mean what. 
keeps it back now is the legacy of our oil industry on some level. I mean, as much as anything else, it's the legacy of how much we already like. There's not a huge, there's always going to be pain in the transition. And so we don't want it. We are, we are a fossil fuel economy right now. We don't want it. It's hard for us to think about that. Well, that's because step. there's nothing else like fossil fuels. Like nothing else brings I don't, energy we don't at know scale. That. Well, okay. We do know that there are, there are other things that eventually can replace them. But right now, we, we get we, – we, what? We're, we're 70% fossil fuels, another 10% nuclear. Like we, solar isn't there yet. Maybe some miracle will happen. But it's just like, there's, like for any given patch of ground, it only produces so much energy. And then you have to store it in batteries, which require an entire litany of mining operations that are – you know, heavily expensive and exploitative, and not necessarily worth the effort. Until we get to the, until we get to asteroids, which is where we need to be getting these minerals. Yeah, from. yeah, and or or space. If we can get sun from space, you know that the, the the atmosphere is what creates the problem with solar. You know, if you can put a solar panel in space and then beam the energy down in some way. That's just well, we've probably fucked ourselves there because I don't think we can put. Well, maybe we can do a micro solar. I mean, who knows? We're trying to we're trying to be engineers, and we're not. But like. I worry that like so there was this there was this um, our, you know how India India blew up a satellite in our satellite belt as it like announced itself as a space power and I wanted to scream because like dude we already have a space junk problem we're gonna trap ourselves here potentially with all like because one little piece of that goes so fast and becomes so heavy that it just tears through fucking objects you know. Mm. Like, we have created a major problem, and they're like, we were a space power. I was like, dude, you may have just helped damn us to the planet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do worry. And, like, that's what worries me. I feel like there's got to be ways around that, you know, maybe maybe nuke it. <laughs> dude, nukes, nukes all day. All day, every day. Oh, man. But I'm having fun, know. man. Well, I'm, I'm so happy that the debate is underway. It's It's fun. Um, looking forward to getting Tulsi Gabbard back for the next one. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. She's falling at 6% in New Hampshire at the moment. If she doesn't make the next stage, it's because of rigging. rigging. I thought she had to poll in like, where, what, are the, what are the rules for the next one? Where does she have to poll well? Nationally or no, the state? She can poll. It, it can be any of the states. It just has to be like DNC approved. And, you know, a lot of the polls that she's qualified in have been like very legitimate polls. But for some reason, they weren't DNC approved. Okay, man. You just keep digging on 4chan and you tell me what happens next, all right? <laughs> For the Tulsi Gabbard memes. <laughs> all right, man. Well, you enjoy your, your uh, golf. Yeah. Uh, go, uh, go, go get them to get, get watch Dark Crystal and join us for maybe a more in depth. Yeah, everyone watching, we're gonna keep we're gonna talk that more in depth in the future. Uh, but yes, that we um, we will also say maybe the first episode. You got like there is an uncanny valley thing you got to get past. There's a discordance thing, but once you do, you're like in. You know what I mean? And I think that's how Darwin Yeah, I mean, the, the, the puppetry is so, so cool. And and, and the plot is great. The, the I just thought it was an overall great fucking effort, man. You know, like a good, um, just sort of, like when you marshal a bunch of resources and you don't just sink it into CGI, but you have fun with puppetry. Like, you can tell how much fun they had on every side of this project. Did you watch the documentary afterwards no, about the making but of God, it? I, you'll like I that. should. I mean, you'll appreciate it because it's Jim Henson's daughter and what they brought back to life, and they've built a world around it. Like that's what I think will be so cool 
is to see how the world building continues here. You know what I mean? Like they have so many places to go, so many possibilities, and they're not going to – I don't think they're going to can this show because those sets are going to be reusable and it costs a lot of money. <laughs> like that's – you know what I'm saying? Like that they've sunk a lot of capital. So that show – maybe I'm wrong here, Darwin. That show will in theory get cheaper to produce each season because of, so, of what has already been mm -hmm. built. Overall, right? Like, am I, I wrong? I mean, I would assume so, you know. But even if it doesn't, I mean, right. it's it's worth it. I would I would absolutely hope they do another season. Yeah. And, and well, I think they will for sure. But I also think Muppets are one of those things that uh, the the hardcore Muppet fans will subscribe to anything that has you know like Muppets on it. And hardcore Muppet fans so are. They're, they are out there. I think you know there are hardcore Jim Henson uh -huh. people. You know, um, and, and because he was worth it, man. He's a genius, and 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 so I think that you know, I mean, like, look at the success that, uh, or even the, the labor of love and success that Jason Segel went through to bring back the Muppets mm -hmm. movie like ten years yeah. ago. That he's like, it almost killed me to mm -hmm. do that, but it, he did it, and it was freaking great. So um, you know, I, I think it'll be actually be funny if Kermit just shows up on the Dark Crystal. Well, I. <laughs> that would be great. But I'm, I'm glad you convinced me to watch it because I, 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 I as I've said to Matt many times, I just yeah. stay away from Netflix shows. I tried watching Mindhunter and just got bored to tears. But Dark Crystal is a different, whole different bag. I, I commend Netflix for taking that on. I think it's a phenomenal. Are, are you, we also going to do? Are we also going to do Alter Carbon season two? Oh, is that happening? It's what's coming out. I don't know. Yes. I, I enjoyed the first one. Uh, maybe I'll watch it. But I, I'm on Succession right now. That's the one I would recommend. I'll, I'll, I'll catch and, up with uh, that. Do you want to do the also the what's it called? The Gemstones? Do you want to watch Gemstones? Oh, yeah. I'll probably gemstones? get around to that. I've, I've got Fleabag up All next right. on my docket, so that's probably going to be the thing I do. Yeah, I need to do that one too, but that's quick. Also, I Euphoria think. is amazing. Euphoria is a, is a not to be missed. I don't know if I can do that with my job. I don't think I can look at teens the same way after what I understand <laughs> as goes on in that Maybe show. Maybe you're right about that. <laughs> okay. Off to Darwinism, uh, everyone. All right.